What time is it? Time for the word. Listen, y'all, we are so blessed today. We are in for such a treat today. On Father's Day, let it be so fitting that we have the father of Church on the North Coast in this house today. Please do me a favor, stand to your feet and welcome Dr. Lewis Canton to the house. Oh, okay. Thank you, my friend. I love you. You are so handsome. Good morning, everyone. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Isn't he a handsome pastor? My goodness. They ought to be on the cover of Vogue or something. Both of them are just good looking. Uh, it's great to be here. Been, haven't been back in a couple of years, actually. And uh, I just wasn't invited. So <laughs> Pastor Marlin finally worked it out, negotiated, and got me back. So I'm hoping he'll get me back one more time before I fly south. We live in Florida during the winter, uh, eight months a year, four months up here. We pastored at the church for 40 years, uh, so a long time. Know many of you from many years ago. A lot of you I've never met before, so I look forward to at least shaking your hand on the way out today. But thanks for being here. I want to share with you today about Father's Day. I could say a lot about that, but I have to say that a good friend of mine, Pastor Russ Wynn, uh, inspired this message. He's down in Florida, and I want to give him a little bit of credit here for this message. But one of my favorite verses in the Bible uh, are chapters out of the psalm is 112. If you've never read Psalm 112, you need to read it. Bless your household with it. But verse 6 is especially important for today. Let's read it. I, I'm going to look at it. Psalm 112, verse 6. It says... For he will never be shaken. Talking about the righteous. He said the righteous will be remembered forever. That's from the Legacy Bible translation. He said he'll never be shaken and the righteous will be remembered forever. You know, I noticed something about all of us. I have four adult children now. And I have 18 grandchildren. And I have eight great-grandchildren. So my legacy is definitely walking around in shoes, that's for sure. But I noticed something about each of my four children. Not one of them were born with a cutesy little outfit. They came out naked. Now, everybody was buying them stuff, you know. There was little onesies and all those things that were sent to us as gifts. But they came in with nothing. Now, I have officiated hundreds, if not thousands of funerals, and I've noticed something about every person that I officiated their funeral. They only went out with the clothes on their back, which helps us to understand something that we come on earth with nothing, and we leave this earth with nothing. But we do leave something behind if we choose to. In other words, a legacy. And I want to challenge the dads in this room today, and maybe that are hearing my voice. Leave a legacy that will stand long after you're gone. It's when your children ask in times to come, Joshua 4, 6, and 7 says... 
saying, What do these stones mean to you? And you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. When they crossed the Jordan and the waters parted, God instructed Israel to lay up a stone for each tribe, 12, in a mound. Just on the other side, no inscription, no decorations, no flowers, just the stones. And when your children ask you, hey, Papa, Daddy, what are these stones for? Tell them. It was when God Almighty parted the water that no man could part, and we walked over on dry ground. Yes, sir. That's what these stones are all about. I want you to know that we serve a miracle-working God. It was a legacy. It was something left behind that they could point to to declare to them that there is something significant left for you. Now, leaving a legacy means more than handing down money. Sometimes as kids, you know, they say, hey, Dad, how much you got in your retirement? I'm like, why do you want to know? Well, you know, we're just thinking about it. Yeah, I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking about how much you're going to get when I die. Well, they're not going to get much, at least not in my household. You know, it's more than leaving money. It's more than even leaving on or passing on a good name. It's those things that we think about, money, buildings, houses, cars, fur coats, whatever, that are all going to pass away. When my mother died, six months before she died, you know what she did? She's a crazy woman. She cleaned her house. She washed her windows. She wanted to make sure the house was spotless so that we didn't come in there and see any dirt. She had her dress picked out. She already had arranged her funeral. She put little notes on everything in the house and in the garage as to who they go to. I walked in the garage. I was wanting that snowblower so bad. And you know what I got? I got the lawnmower. I already had a lawnmower. So I talked my brother into switching. I said, you take the lawnmower. Look at this lawnmower. Man, this is a nice lawnmower. I'll take that old snowblower. So we switched cards, and I got the snowblower. But she was leaving what she had. But you know, I seldom think of those things. I think more of what she invested in me. What she left that will never pass away. You see, a lasting legacy, one that continues for eternity, will be set in stone written on our hearts, the hearts of our loved ones. It's Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God and the Savior of the world that is a legacy that lasts, and His character. How you live your life. The character of Christ left for those that follow us is your legacy. You remember the old bracelets, bracelets, what would Jesus do? That's something of a legacy that we can leave to our children and our children's children. I want to share with you quickly, and I won't keep you long. You believe that, say amen. Amen. 
If you don't believe that, say, oh my. <laughs> oh boy, there was more oh my's than there were amens. Four qualities of leaving a legacy. Are you ready? Number one, you want to write it down? Speak with integrity. I want to talk to the dads for a minute about speaking with integrity. You see, for nearly 30 years running, Billy Graham was voted as the number one most admired person in America. Now you think, why was he voted as the most admired person? And when polled, a vast majority of the people said, because of his integrity. In other words, you can believe what he said. Dads, we need to leave a legacy of integrity, meaning that what we say, we will do. We don't want to lie. Because an integral person is a person who tells the truth. Everybody say, tell the truth. Everybody say, tell the truth. Nice, nice. Number two, keeps the word. Keeps the word. Okay, this is, this is a real easy test. Let's try it again. A person of integrity tells the truth. And a person of integrity keeps his word. All right, what else? He practices what they say. He practices what they say. In other words, he just doesn't preach it. He lives it. Dads, if we can pass anything down to our children and our children's children, it is integrity. Listen to Proverbs 25 and 14. People who promise things that they never give are like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Common promises that you often hear from people. Let me borrow that thing. I'm going to return it when I'm done. Six months later, you're saying, Pastor Marlon, do you still have my grass mower? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot to give it back to you. You know, after a while, you hold it on long enough, you think it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll hear this. You can tell me. You can trust me. I, I, I won't tell anyone. You know, when I pastored for 40 years, there were often people that I told things on purpose because I knew that when I told them, the whole church would know. If I didn't want the church to know, I definitely would not talk to them. But I used them. I'd say, come here, let me tell you something. I, no, no, not everybody knows about this. They're like, yeah, yeah, pastor, what? What, what you want to say? I said, come here, I don't tell anybody. I won't, Pastor. I won't. By next Sunday, people are on the foyer asking me, hey, I heard that we're going to blah, 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 blah on the church. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Where'd you hear that? Well, I ain't going to say. <laughs> Sometimes our promises that we don't keep are, oh, yeah, yeah, the check is in the mail, honestly. Or I'm on my way as you sit in the bathtub. Or worse yet, son, we'll do it next weekend. I promise. These are things that are often broken and cause our integrity to falter. Lasting legacy requires integrity. Keep your promises. Tell the truth. Practice what you preach. 
Psalm 101 in verse 2, Living Bible says this, I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. That's what the psalmist said. I remember my children, they would call me out, you know. They would hear me preach, and then at home I maybe wasn't acting out the way I was preaching, and they got to be a little older and challenged me and said, Dad, I, that's not what you said this morning. I said, don't worry about what I said. Just tell you what, I, you listen to what I told you to do. But it's interesting how we need God's help in order to live a righteous life. Secondly, serve with intensity. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. The life that we live at the integrity and now intensity that we can leave with our children is to know that we're all in. I saw a commercial recently, and I thought it was really cool. The father was watching his son play various sports, and he is the biggest fan in the stand. Did you see that commercial yet? He's out there yelling, come on, come on, hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball. And all the other parents are just sitting there, and he's up following down the screen, you know, behind the fence. He's yelling, he's screaming. His son looks over at him with rolls his eyes like, oh, dad. But he's being enthusiastic. Do you know where the word enthusiasm comes from? The Latin word entheo, E-N-T-H-E-O. You know what entheo in Latin means? God in you. To be enthusiastic is to allow God to be so big in you that they sell, you celebrate the life that people have around you. Because you see them as God's creation. I was walking through the Metro Park the other day doing a prayer walk and a mama, three children were walking, coming toward me. And one little girl out of the two other children was about 20 to 30 steps ahead of mom. And she was walking kind of like this. She was. And I looked at her and I told Tina, she was with me. I said, that's a, form, a, a future leader. You notice how she's separated from the whole family? She's setting the pace. She knows where she's going. She's by herself, and she does not fear. She's not worried about anybody else. She just knows that she's heading some way, and she's going to get there. So when we got to the mother, I said, you've got a leader in your family, don't you? She said, oh, my, you can say that again. She's always out front. I said, amen. Are you always out front, Dad? Are you lagging behind? My grandson came over last night. He said, he said, Papa, take me up to Speedway. I want to get a candy bar. And I said, well, Papa's a little tired right now, Ben. His countenance fell. Nana walked in the door. Nana, you know, if he can't get one, he'll get the other. Nana, take me up to Speedway. I want to get a candy bar. She said, okay, let's go right now. Big smile on his face. I looked over and I said, yeah, right. You just dissed me in front of my grandson. Let me get in the car. But I didn't do it with enthusiasm, and I lost something with him, a connection. Now, Tina doesn't mess around with her Bible reading. I'm going to tell you that right now. 
It is average, and I'm just telling you this to let you know you need to be June 24th at that Bible study. Don't miss it. In the following week, she spends four to five hours every morning in the Word. If I talk to her, she goes, shh. I said, honey, I just, shh. I said, you better stop that right now. I'm the king of this house. <laughs> ben slept over last night, eight years old. He's in the bedroom. Nana, come here. I want to show you something. She said, man, I'm busy right now. But just a minute, just a minute. I want to show you something. She put her Bible down. <laughs> I'm sitting across the room from her reading my Bible. She put her Bible down, got up, walked in the bedroom, listened to what he had to say, and came back. And I said, I would not have done that. I said, I'm not going to leave Jesus for him. But she knows something about connecting through enthusiasm over what your children are enthusiastic about. Ordinary people who are committed to great causes and purposes. Mother Teresa said this, it's not what we do, but how much love we put into what we do that makes the difference. It's impossible to serve apart from love. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. See, fame doesn't last because you can be a hero one day and a zero the next day. Fame is fleeting. Status doesn't last. You could be a name today and a no-name, yes, tomorrow. You see, we have to understand we put our focus on people. And the person in front of you, make them the most important person in your life at any given moment, and that includes your children. Did I say number three? I'm saying it now. If you want to leave a lasting legacy, give with generosity. You make a living by what you make, but you make a legacy by what you give away. Let me say it again. You make a living by what you make, but you make a legacy by what you give. My son and his wife are moving. And uh, he had to empty his shed, which is huge, his backyard furniture, and his garage. And he said, Dad, what are you doing? Uh, I'm not sure. What do you want? <laughs> he said, I need some help. Need some help. I said, what do you need? He said, I need to move all the stuff out of the shed, out of the garage, in the backyard. I said, who else is coming? He said, nobody, just you and me. I said, I'll be right there. Threw my shoes on, got over there, started working. Whew. A couple of days later, I'm like trying to walk. <laughs> but during that moment, I was as enthusiastic as I could possibly be. 
He kept saying to me afterwards, Dad, I couldn't have done it without you. And I'm like, I know that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said, you know what? I did it because I love you. And I serve you with love. Whether I have to pick up all that junk that you probably don't need in that shed anyway and carry it and box it and put it in a truck. It doesn't matter what the task is because you're bigger than the task. My love for you is greater than the effort and the work that's included. I keep my focus on the important thing and not focus on the temporal thing. Because I'm going to be okay in another week. It's going to take me about a week and a half to get back. Because I wore myself out. Come on now, 72. You know, you just don't spring back. You kind of go... takes a while, but you come back. I just don't spring. That's what they call about spring chickens. Them days are gone. You give with generosity. Carnegie said this, the first half of my life, this note was found in his desk upon his death. He was a multimillionaire. He said this, the first half of my life, I want to make as much money as I possibly can. The second half of my life, I want to give away as much as I have. What are you giving away? If you want to leave a legacy, walk in integrity. Tell the truth. Keep your word. Practice what you preach. Serve with intensity. Let love be your driving force. Give with generosity. Here's what Proverbs 3 and 27 says. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Now, my wife, I sometimes think God let me marry an angel. Because it's not fair that she's so like Jesus. It makes me embarrassed at times. We're driving down the street. A lady or somebody standing side of the road with a sign, need help, need food, no job. And uh, she'll say, stop, pull over. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not pulling over. <laughs> she said, pull over. I want to I bless them. I said, honey, let me tell you something. I tried, to, I tried logic with her. I said, now look, there's only 3% unemployment. They want to get help. They can go get a job. Don't look at me like that sideways. You've said that before. <laughs> and she said, no, I put money in my purse every time I get some for this purpose. If this is not my money. It was designated for people like that pull over. So I pull over. She hands me the money. I roll down the window. I say, God bless you. I mean, she says, God bless you. <laughs> you give with Generosity. You see, what happens when after you're gone and your lawnmower doesn't work anymore and your snowblower broke and you throw it away and your money has been spent that was left to you, in your heart will be the integrity your father put in your spirit. In your heart will be the intensity to love the way they love. 
In your heart will be the generosity that you will carry and you will pass on to your children and your children's children. And the kingdom of God will be noticed by men. Because there's something different about you. Because in this world, people don't live like that. In this world, people lie all the time. You don't believe that? Watch the news tonight. People don't give, they take. People don't serve or give with generosity. Only when the cameras are on. Man, I've been around it. In Guatemala, we took 1.2 million pounds of food. Dr. Lester Sumrall, he invited me to go. He said, we're going to take 1.2 million pounds of food. I want you to come with me. I said, all right. Okay. I thought in my mind what that meant was we're going to pass it out. Have you ever seen 1.2 million pounds of food? Warehouse to the ceiling. As far as you can see. C-130s, his ship, two ships come in with food, unloading it, putting it in the warehouse, and we were going to feed these people, then do a crusade at a baseball stadium to seat 35,000 people. So we announced to the population we're going to be passing out food, and the line started to form way before dawn. It was approximately a mile and a half to two miles long of people standing, waiting for this food. And there were a few workers, some nationals, Guatemalans, oh no, Nicaraguans, that were passing out the food. And I said, well, let me help. That's why I'm here. So I got in the food passing out line. And I'm passing out food. And let me tell you, after about an hour of passing out boxes of food, you start to feel that. It's hot. It's hot there. And then I saw the preachers. Oh, I shouldn't even be telling you. Coming in with their safari coats on and their little hats. And they walked up in line and grabbed a box. And their photographers were all there. And they handed out a box. And then walked out. And I'm like, hey, hey, you, come back here. They were gone. It was called a photo op. Give generously. Don't make photo ops to your kids. Did I say number four yet? Number four. Ooh, I'm doing good. Succeed with humility. Proverbs 29, 23. Arrogance will bring your downfall. Do you know that God uses praise in your life? You know what for? To test your character. Praise is like bubblegum. It's good as long as you chew it, just don't swallow it. Sometimes people praise you, and God is using it to test you. We must walk 
humbly before the Lord. Stay humble or you will stumble. Look at your neighbor. Smile when you say it. Say, stay humble. Now take your finger, point at him and say, or you will stumble. <laughs> um, Pastor Mary so eloquently shared this the other day, and I thought it was pretty powerful. The President of the United States gave a proclamation about uh, something, I forget what it was, Pride Day, I think, and interestingly, Two hours later, he gave a speech and fell. He tripped. And prophetically, I believe God was saying to the nation, pride comes before the fall. Now, don't regulate pride to the gay, lesbian, bi, transsexual, all of that. No, no, no. Pride is in church. But pride comes before the fall. Here's what he says. God knows you'll make mistakes. Learn to listen to correction. Don't be so prideful when people tell you you were wrong. Or your children tell you. Dad, you were wrong. Two powerful words to kids. I'm sorry. Kids are so resilient. They're so forgiving. But they resist the pride. Just like God. Here we go. Don't get defensive when someone tells you the truth. Thank them. I appreciate when people tell me I need a breath mint. <laughs> I do. I appreciate it. But I don't really like it when they tell me I need one and they don't give me one. <laughs> Here's what the Bible says. 1 Peter 5, 5. Are you ready? This is almost my last verse. <laughs> In the same way you are who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the hum humble. Dads, dress for success. Clothe yourself in humility. Now that I've aged a bit, and I'm around a lot of pastors, much younger than me, obviously. I used to be the young guy and not so much anymore. They will tell me things, like in the Bible. And I'm thinking in my mind, mm-hmm, I know that. Ooh, that's, yeah, I preached that in 1987, I think. <laughs> but I will remember that it's important to be clothed in humility. And I say to them, that's an amazing insight. When did the Holy Spirit show you that? 
Man, I'm getting goosebumps just hearing it. Because it's not my position as a father to elevate myself above my sons. But rather to humble myself and lift them up. It takes discipline, dads, to not walk in pride. I put food on your table. When you can pay the electric bill, then you can tell me how we're going to live here. Right? You know how dads do. That's not the right posture if you want to leave a legacy. You see, it's being clothed in humility every day, and that only comes through the personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Got to learn to hear His voice. A prayer that I've adopted here, I don't know, a few years ago, is I say it about three or four times a week. I mean a day, rather, every, every day. Father, thank you for food, clothing, and shelter. Thank you for food to eat, for clothing to put on, for shelter to sleep in. Thank you for air to breathe. Then I take a deep breath. And water to drink. Because they come from your grace-filled hand. And I'm thankful. Because I know without those basic necessities of life, I have no life. And the minute I think I deserve food, clothing, shelter, water to drink, and air to breathe, is the moment I'm set up to stumble. Remain humble. Dads, the greatest legacy is helping another to know Christ. I preached in Lorraine last week and in Cleveland, formerly Valley View. And uh, as I was sitting in Lorraine, I counted five of my family members involved in the church. I'm like, what in the world is this? They're everywhere. And then I went to Cleveland, and there are those upstart grandkids. Elder Jeremiah Burris. When I got up there, I said, you ain't no elder. You're a pastor. What's the matter? You afraid of the word pastor? He went. Now watch your services as much as I can, and I see Precious up here singing sometimes granddaughter praying for legacy to be seared in the hearts of every one of my family members my other prayer is father thank you that my grandchildren are saved my great grandchildren and my great greats yet to be born in the loins of Jackson and Judah and in the womb of Riley and Mia Thank you, Lord. And I declare now that they'll find godly spouses. And they will populate the earth with righteous seed. Because, see, that's my position in life is to leave a legacy to the fourth generation. Is that the kind of father you want to be? Now, if you haven't been up to this point, don't be dismayed. And don't get discouraged. 
because I hadn't always been that great of a father. My kids could come up here and testify and really tell on me if they wanted. But I've learned over the years as the Holy Spirit massaged my soul to find these four things activated in my life. And it now has changed. You know, the Bible says your end shall be greater than your beginning. I'm feeling like my end is greater than I've ever had before in regards to affecting my family. And you can as well. So I want to pray for every father. If you would, please, just stand. Dads, just dads. In Jesus' name, or everyone that wants to be a dad someday, stand up. Heavenly Father, we call upon the name of the Lord right now. We pray, God, that every man standing will be in, filled with the, with the integrity of the Holy Spirit. They will tell the truth. They will keep their word. And they will practice what they preach. Father, I thank you that those who don't tell the truth, keep their word or promises and say one thing and the other, they lack integrity, but not these men. Father, they are leaders in their house. I pray as well that they would serve with intensity. They would turn it up a notch. That they would have enthusiasm in Theo, God in them, about their children and grandchildren and family and spouse and household. That they would get excited about an opportunity to be with them and to love on them. Like Mother Teresa said, it's not what we do, but how much we love and put into what we do that makes the difference. Father, I pray today that their focus will be on people that will live forever. I pray, Father, that they would give with generosity. They would look for opportunities to give love, to give patience, to give self-control, to give kindness, to give joy, to give peace, to give patience. God, just in every possible way that they can, and let them be clothed with humility, I ask God. Now, with everybody's head bowed and eyes are closed, Everybody together, ladies as well, come on. Put your focus on others because it is only people that will live forever. They're either going to live in heaven or they're going to live in hell. And it is our burden today. It is our mandate from heaven to snatch every soul out of the jaws of of hell and bring them to Jesus and so maybe you're here today and you say hey preacher I don't know today if I were to die whether I'd go to heaven or I'd go to hell but I want to know I want to know I want to know God's love I want to know his generosity I want to know his integrity I want to know his humility I want to know his love his intense love after my life you could do that today. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. 
I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Everybody, please stand with me. All the ladies, would you join us? I believe the Holy Spirit was here in a mighty way during worship. I just want to say thank you to the worship team. You guys are so anointed. We're so blessed to have you here, my goodness. If I lived around the corner, I'd be here every Sunday. Maybe I'll be back one more Sunday if I get invited. But the Holy Spirit was here to heal, to restore, and to make brand new. That's a miracle prayer, you know. Father, heal, restore, and make brand new. You got something that's worn out, old, and it needs to be made new again? You're a candidate for this prayer. Restore? Restore? Whatever it is. Heal! Mm. God's doing it today. And if you need healing, restoration, or something to be made brand new, may I, Pastor, have them come forward? Please, just line across the front. I want to pray for you. If you have that need, I just ask quickly. And then I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, thank you. Is there someone to sing that? Would you sing it? Thank you. Amazing grace. She needs a mic. Oh, how sweet the sound. Come on, lift up a hand. And
someone close enough, why don't you take them by the hand? Because we're going to pray one for another, then we're going to leave this place. But in this moment, God will bless the person whose hand you were holding. That's my prayer. Every time I'm in a prayer circle, I hold someone's hand, I say, Father, you bless the person whose hand I hold. It's not by mistake that I'm holding their hand. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for that person whose hand I'm holding. A hand is an extension of the heart. And their heart, oh God, has been touched by you. So now I'm asking you, Father, to fill them new, fresh, with the living power of God and the word of your love. Lord, use them for your glory. 
as we bless them we bless them in their body we bless them in their soul and we bless them in the spirit in jesus name everybody said amen amen well in old church at the end of this song we used to sing and we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see jesus we'll sing and shout the victory come on when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see jesus we'll sing and shout the victory anyway it's in my heart we love you there's nothing you can do about it you know that give somebody a holy ghost high five if you don't know what that is you just lift up your leg you slap them high five and you go woo when you do it ready woo that's a holy ghost high five live right love everybody pray hard pastor you need to come back up